Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Nietzsche. Introducing the SD Podcast Channel, your one stop source for all types of podcasts. We are always on the look for new podcasts to join our channel. If there is any topic you would like to discuss, contact us now. We can be reached on all social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. You can also contact us by email or leave us a voicemail at 516-570-9248. So make sure to contact us now so you can start your podcast soon. Welcome to episode 334 of the SD Podcast Show. Steven, Dan, and Vin are all here tonight. What's going on, boys? Not too much. Uh, same old shit, different day. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. I had to talk a little, uh, I don't know, football, hockey. Nobody wants Whatever to talk about going on Danny, as a Notre Dame guy, Go. we got to ask this question. Why didn't Christian McCaffrey reach for the end zone <laughs> on the one yard when uh, they ran the U know. when they ran the Leonard Bush play with the offensive lineman? Why didn't mm-hmm. he stretch out at the end zone? They also didn't execute it well because like Leonard pushed him. The offensive lineman like grabbed him by his upper body and was like trying to pull him. In. Yeah, like what are you even talking about? Oh, um, the Bush push. McCaffrey Come on. Outside. I know that one, but you're talking about McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Oh, uh, what happened with uh, McCaffrey? At the one-yard line, they ran the, oh, they, the last, they, the the last, last play, play of the game. game. Oh, the last play, yes, 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 yes. He didn't reach, basically. Yeah, well, he did. Re- he did. I don't know if he got in. I really don't just think he too did. Sh- there was 800 people around him. Also, when are we going to learn, like, as wide receivers, to just get off the line of scrimmage so the camera could see things? Like, if you're on that play, you're not doing anything. Yeah, but... but standing there, but, run away. But on the top of that, you have eight offensive offensive defensive linemen all over 250 pounds all piled together. How are you going to see through Right, that? but... I, you can't, but... Makes no sense. Anyway, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of social media, snblog.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play... All other great podcast apps, including Spotify, Stitcher. Make sure to check them out. Our good friend Mike made a nice announcement. Mike Carver from the ILC podcast that he'll actually be doing a live show from Tap and Barrel over in Smithtown on January Saturday, January 4th. Uh, so make sure you head out there. Anything else to plug? Anybody got anything? No. No? Nothing else to plug. All right, cool. So today we got a big show for us. I hit everything, right? It's been a while since we've done everything. Yeah. Just want to make sure I hit everything. Cool. Awesome. So we got a big show for you guys today. We're going to have Will, our good friend Will from On The Board Sports joining us. He's a big Jeff fan. He was at the game on Sunday. We will talk to him about some football and some Islanders hockey. Right now, we're going to take a little break to go into our leadoff. Leading off. All right, welcome back to the leadoff. 
to the leadoff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's been a while. I mean, I haven't been on in a while. And uh, during that time, the, what I thought was, I mean, definitely was big news, that the NCAA announced um, that players will be able to, I don't know what the legalese is, but basically use their likenesses, you know, make money off their likenesses and their, and, um, you know, advertise whatever i guess i don't know if jersey sales i don't know how that's gonna work like i guess you could make shirts for yourself but i don't know if you can make like jerseys maybe you can i don't know there's a lot of uh stuff that has to be worked out for this um obviously i think we all think it's a great thing um these guys deserve to be paid even if it's you know not as much as they maybe should be getting or or whatever uh market value would be but what I'm my biggest like thing I thought was do you think do you guys think there'll be what what kind of regulations do you think they'll put on these things? Because I always thought like I mean obviously they can't like just say oh this guy you know works at so and so's car dealership and we and he gets got paid a hundred thousand dollars a year working at a car dealership you know just to to find a way to give him money. But now. Is it going to be like, you know, the quote-unquote Buddy Garrity's of Alabama are just going to be like, you know, you're doing an appearance at my car dealership and it's you get $100,000 or whatever. Like, there has to be some kind of regulations, no? Um, yeah, of course there has to be some sort because it'll turn into the Wild Wild West. Um, they're going to have to find some sort of happy medium, um, obviously. But if the players are <clears throat> earning that money, why not let them get their money kind of thing? So, I don't know. Like the whole um, Chase Young situation going on. Right. He just got, he crazy got paid to me right now. A, a loan from... I don't even know who Watch it was. Watch him in they... a bowl game. Was it an agent that that gave him the loan? Yeah, or? I think it was an agent of some sort. Okay, well then obviously that's you know. Yeah, it wasn't the smartest thing, but of like all the things that that he could have helped him out type of thing, it was just like, ugh. and especially that kind of thing is like I think that it's probably something you're gonna still gonna I mean, that's still gonna be a restriction. Like you can't. You oh still yeah, definitely. There's can't get there, money there's... from an agent, you know. But like, like the big guys, you know, I don't know when this is happening. I don't know if they probably won't be able to get it done in the next year or two. But like the, you know, the next Trevor Lawrence, it can do. You know, we'll have a Nike contract and a, and a, you know maybe a Gatorade. It's going to be, it's gonna or be based on the school mo- mostly because you remember each all the schools have different like jersey sponsors and things like that. So you got to think that the the schools are going to limit. Who the players can ideally use. Right. Well, I don't know how that's going to be affected, but like more, you know, you look at the basketball guys, they'll get their shoe deals early, a year early or whatever, or whatever. Um, but like somebody made a good point. I forget where it was, where I heard it, but it was like, you know, not even the, the big schools, but like if you're a college swimmer, you can use, you know, you can give lessons now. That used to be not, I guess, not allowed. What? But, which makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know why that, like, is against... But you could, like... You can 
advertise yourself as, you know, a professional, you know, all conference swimmer or whatever and like, give lessons or something like that. All that matters now is NCAA football needs to be coming out next season. Well, that will probably, I mean, it might take some time. But, yeah, I would think that would definitely come back now. And would be, but although Madden, I don't know, I haven't been very happy with Madden lately. Yeah, but everybody's um, going to want to play NCAA football. At least the first right. year. Everyone will buy it yeah, and then return it. Yeah, definitely the first year. I, right, so there has to be, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how how people make their money because that's always been the the issue has obviously always been how do we pay everybody and not just some people this is obviously the way out is that the big people will make their money and the the guys who play you know rugby or whatever i i don't know how you can monetize that but if you can find a way you know by getting a gatorade sponsorship or something you know have a good time it just it, it it'll be interesting to see how all the you know legal stuff folds out and how and what you know controlling it to a degree instead of just you know kind of like gambling or whatever in a country having some control over it. Right, they're gonna have to like I like I said earlier. I'm thinking you got to think that it's gonna have something to do with the sponsor that that runs the school. So for example, like Michigan is Jordan sponsored. Right. So everything's going to be so everything should be ideally Jordan Brandon for all the players. Um, Are they allowed to use other brands type of things? Will they be able to? I don't know. Maybe they'll get paid for the items that they're wearing, I guess. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. Like, because this all I mean, obviously, the big a big start of this was with Michigan and and the Fab Five. They were selling what was Fab Five stuff. And marketing in it's Fab Five stuff, but they made no money off of it. So now they'll they can you know sell a, a Shea Magic shirt in the in the school you know um, whatever shop, and he'll make money off of that. Or you know they can sell a Trevor Lawrence jersey at at the Clemson you know student store, and he'll make money off the jersey. So like I, I mean, instead of just selling you know blank jerseys with no names on them. So I, I guess, but he, I guess he would like, he could still do, like I said, a Gatorade ad or whatever, but you're right. I don't know if he'll be able to have like an Adidas sponsorship if they're sponsored by Nike or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, yeah, I highly doubt that. And that's why more times than not, you see the guys go with the, the company that the school had more times than not. Right. Which is not, you know, sure it's not a bad thing. And no, no, of course not. If the if the um, if the, the basketball players like I, I'm assuming they have those deals for basketball as well with the schools, but yes. like you you would will they want will we want they want to get those shoe deals and then will they pay the school more money for that thing? It, it could get out of control. You, you would think about you it. would you would think that it gives certain brands also a leg up because like. How many how many kids go to Duke that LeBron is talking to and is like, oh Duke has Adidas. Now Adidas is basically could negotiate with them throughout college. Well, that's what it is, right? It's like we'll give you X amount of money if you know 
we'll give the player X amount of money if he if he comes, and then the, the brand gets X amount of money extra because it's you know a bigger name. Right. I don't know. It's all confusing. It's gonna be and I'm sure it'll thing. still be it'll still be confusing once they you know even try to settle things out. But I'm just you know as long as these guys are making some kind of money, even if it's like I said not as much as they'll make in the pros, uh, something will help. You know even if it's a, a normal what we say not for athletes but a normal livable wage. You know, forty fifty thousand dollars a year they'll be able to at least you know do things. Will it be one of those? Hey, we're gonna pay for also, your your things that the scholarship doesn't pay for. Or like, will there be a cap? I don't know. I don't. I can't see why there would be. I don't know. It'll be interesting. They got to figure out like the the set rules and make those announcements. The key is, will they make that announcement? I don't. Will I, we I, ever? I would. You, you. I mean, I'm sure they'll rewrite the rules basically, and it'll be you know. Whatever, there'll be probably certain um, restrictions on, like, there'll have to be some kind of set date or maybe, like, a time frame of a contract. Like, I don't, I don't think they want school, like, Adidas giving the school, you know, an extra $3 million that year because Zion's coming or whatever. Like, after the, after the recruiting class comes out. Like, maybe they'll have to put a limit on when the schools can rework their, their um, sponsorship deals with the with the uh, shoe companies and stuff. I don't know. That'll be interesting. It will be very interesting but, to see. Um, again, how do they how do they incorporate everything into the deal? Some sort of scholarship thing, like because you got to realize that when players sign their professional contracts, all this stuff is in there. Um, actually, sure. it's crazy because I actually noticed it. I guess I didn't notice it when I started working for my company. Um, and I just signed because it was like 8,000 pages at the time. Now, now we shrunk it a lot. Um, we, we have people sign a form that allows us to use their likeness on things like social media, on things like Instagram, on our Instagram page, on the business website, all that stuff. So that's kind of one of those things like you got to get these players permission to do that also. Right, but they do that now. I mean, they had to. They use players' likenesses on social media. Right, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes and all that, especially with these new rules. Well, with that being said, we're gonna listen to a little more "United We Brawl" by Division One Point One, and we'll be right back. Hey, put your hands on me. All right, welcome back to the SMB Podcast. You just listened to United We Brawl by Division 1.1. Next up, we have our good friend Will Carucci from uh, On The Board Sports. Uh, He had a better Sunday than me and Steve did. Uh, uh, Let's just start off with that. Um, Congratulations, Will, on the Toilet Bowl Championship. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hope you had fun on Sunday, Oh, uh, guys, thank you so much, man, for having me back on your show. That's I really do things. appreciate that. You know, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on your show. And, uh, yeah, you know, hey, listen, it's only the second one of the year for the Jets, but let's just face it right now. 
both teams are in shambles, but at the end of the day, you need a winner and you need a loser, right? So they, uh, we found out who was the real winner on uh, on Sunday. That's for sure. The people yeah, that have red yeah. zone. Yeah, the people that have red zone, and and I can't tell you how many people the last two days have asked me if I was at the game on Sunday, thinking that everybody who has season tickets have able to go to the Jets and Giant games. And I'm like, no, it was a Jet game, thankfully. Uh, but uh, both defenses. Saquon Barkley got one totally uh, one rushing yard the whole game. Uh, we'll get more into that later because I'm sure we'll have a lot of opinions on that situation. Um, Le'Veon looked pretty, other than the one touchdown, he looked like he was in check as well. Um, I like uh, Delvin Tomlinson looked really good with nine tackles, so that was good to see. Both secondaries looked pretty trashy. Um, other than Jamal Adams, he decided to play on Sunday. So congratulations to Jeff fans on that. Uh, I think his dispute, uh, dispute with the Jets' ownership and management is uh, cleared away for at least one week. So um, now you guys are going to uh, play the Redskins this week. What are you expecting towards that? Uh, you know, I personally look at this game as like a trap game. I know every Jets fan and every casual football fan is looking at this game and saying, oh boy, here we go, another toilet bowl game, but you know, you gotta understand one thing with the Jets, and with their recent string of luck over the past, I don't know, 20 years or 25 years per se, this team, after winning a big game like on Sunday or even against the Cowboys, what did they do against the Patriots the week afterwards, guys? What did they do? They laid an egg. I'm not. I, I'm hoping that they don't lay an egg on Sunday, but it's just it, it has that feel to it, in my honest opinion. They do. But but with that said, there's a lot of things that I look at and I say to myself, as bad as that Giants secondary looked on Sunday, you got to give credit to Sam Darnold for making some of those ridiculous throws that he did because let's face it it reads and everything like that and that's why i think i know what you're saying with the past history of the jets uh finding ways to blow games like uh the sunday coming up especially on the road in washington we've seen it millions of times but Washington's even worse than the Giants this year. So if they play any way better like they did on Sunday, I think they should be able to pull out the win, especially on how Dwayne Haskins hasn't been able to put it all together yet as a starting quarterback for the Redskins. Well, you you also got to remember, too, it's it's like Daniel Jones, it's his rookie year. And with some some of these injuries that Washington has had, uh, over the course of the past two years, I mean, you had the Redskins offensive tackle. I can't even remember his name right now off the top of my head. But he he had he had cancer. He had cancer, and he stayed out the whole situation. Game. It's crazy, right? You know, and I know Dan. I know that you're you're a cancer survivor. You know, you yeah. you've done it. You you've been through it. You know, what I mean, it, it's it's tough. 
it's tough to see something like that go on with the Redskins, but the Redskins themselves are just an absolute joke of a franchise outside of the whole New York sports uh, football team. Yeah, and that's what's crazy about the Redskins, man. They make the Jets ownership, no offense, like like they're like they're uh, Jerry Jones or or part of Vin's ownership with his uh with his uh, stock. But like that's that's how crazy and that's how crazy and awful the Redskins ownership has been under Dan Snyder. So uh and they go out and the Redskins they try know. to go it's, out it's they just, try and spend money. Every which way they can, sorry, say just like the Jets. But they, uh, you know, with the Jets though this week, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a close game. Maybe, maybe like a, a seven to ten point victory by the Jets. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets blew this game. To be quite honest with you, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in any in that in that regard. So. They have some winnable games coming up, right? But after, they have Washington. I think they, they have another play, game with Miami. They have another right, game with another Miami. Game Miami. They play Oakland, who's been better lately, but still a winnable game, I think. And then they have uh, Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah, so, I mean, they can get back to, like, you know, maybe 6 and 10, 5 and 11. Is that the right thing to do? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Should they Listen, keep, the like, one... kind of want to get a higher You got to win as many at this point. The one thing here with with what the no, Jets are trying to do just, here, just is, for the players. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Like I, I think with them, I, th- I think with anybody like that team, especially with the, how the Giants have been playing the last couple of years, I, yeah, I want a better draft pick, but the players on the team, they they need to find ways to get wins because they're going to be major parts of this team going forward, and and you, you don't want to lose have Sam Darnold lose Psyche because we've seen it already a bunch of times this year already before the giant game. It was, it was crazy. The, the cowboy game, he won the player of the week and then he had like that two game lull, which we all know about the whole ghost situation, this and that. And then he looks better. He came back to life against the, the giants on Sunday. So like guys like Sam and all like, yeah, yeah, is it going to probably help uh, Gase come back? Probably. But that's the risk you're willing to take if the Jets are taking that next step to being a competent team. The thing is with the Jets, with with Sam, I know you guys have seen it. I know you guys have probably heard about it. This offensive line is just an absolute joke. You look at Russell yeah. Wilson yesterday. Russell Wilson and Sam Darno are almost very similar in a sense with their throwing ability, with their escapability to get out of the pocket, and with their mobile reads. The thing is with, with where the Seahawks are right now as opposed to with the Jets, Seattle has a better offensive line than the Jets do. If mm-hmm. the Jets had an offensive line to protect Sam Darno, believe me when I tell you that some of these games – in which the Jets got blown out in, or even some of the games that they were close in, like the Bills game in the first week in which they had the lead and they blew it. That was more on the defense, but if that offensive line held up against the Bills or, you know, the, the Eagles when they lost out big, they could have 
this this team could be 500. This team could be a 500 team if they had their offensive line right. And I'm being honest with you on that from what I've seen. You know, but as far as, you know, the rest of the year and, you know, looking at where they're uh, where they should win their games, these guys are going to go hard each and every game. This is their job. This is their livelihood. This is their career. They don't want to pass up on the next big payday and try to find out, okay, where where's the where's the next bread bread maker going to be at? You know what I mean? It, it's going to be like that. And right. you got to find out who some of these guys are coming up. Who's going to make it on the team next year? Who's not? Both the Jets Who, and Giants are in the same boat, especially right? – yeah, the fan bases want the coaches fired, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's only going to help the players for the, the actual team to play better and finish the season off strong. Because if not, half the team's going to be out on the street next year, and they're not going to be able to find jobs, or or they're not going to be good enough to get jobs on uh, some players. So it's just I it's agree. just a weird it's a weird situation. Especially I got, guys like us watching games every week. We we want them to win, but if they lose, it's not the end of the world. But obviously, like Sunday, I was pretty pissed off that we, no offense, we lost to the Jets. Granted, we're the same team right now, but it was just the same shit every week about uh, Kurt, uh, Coach Sherman. Defense not showing up. And... Like, how many times are we going to see this over and over? The last three out of the four weeks out of the six-game losing streak, we've dug ourselves in huge holes, and we were able to get ourselves out of it, but you can't you can't start every game down 14, 14 points, 17 points, 14 points again. It's just the same constant crap every week in and week out. And it, it, it something's got to give, and it's it's not going to end pretty for Shermer, unfortunately. Uh, Steve, yeah. what were you going to say? We talked about this, Danny and I, last week. And, Will, I want to get your opinion on it. And it's becoming a trend sure. in the NFL. And, and I personally, and I'm a little bit more old school about it, I th- I'm sick of this coordinator is the next best head coach thing or you know the next best guy and you know as an islander family you know the islanders for years went every other halfway through the season basically firing a head coach and bringing up their ahl coach because he's been doing good in the ahl the next great coach quote unquote what's your thoughts about that in the nfl i me personally as a Giant fan, I want Mike McCarthy here next year. And I know a lot of Jeff fans wanted him before the season this year in right. Gaze. But I want Mike McCarthy, keys to the castle, all in for next year. What's your thoughts on the veteran coach slash or would you prefer the next great, you know, college guy or Sean McVay type guy? Honestly, it all depends on the system and who 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 who's running the ownership and what kind of team is put in place for the uh, for the next coach. For for the Islanders, just to use the Islanders' point of view here, they needed a guy to kick them in the ass. And the players and the fan base is like, they, they're tired of having to take shit. They're tired of having to take shit. I think it's like this with the Knicks, too, in a sense. 
everybody and my partner and I talked about it. My partner is a huge diehard Mets fan. And we talked about the Knicks. And every time we keep on hearing about, you know, the next best thing, the coach, this, that, load management, this, you got to get the old school guy back in there where it's gonna, he's going to take no crap from nobody, no crap from the media, no crap from the general manager, no crap from the owner. You got to go out there and play your game and let, let your game do the talking at the end of the day. I know that many Giant fans want – the aforementioned Mike McCarthy, as you guys should, as you guys should, you guys should definitely hire him. All right, the Jets—they wound up burning their bridge. I feel and that, they, and that, they had the opportunity to hire him, but they blew it. Is, they blew it. They blew it. Is is that's the biggest problem chance. with Shermer? He th- and he thinks he thinks he's Bill Belichick, and he thinks he's he's like earned the right to be smug with the media nine out of ten times, and. It's and not. It's not. They, it's not a matter. But Dan, it's not a matter of being smug with the media because he earned it. I think with with all the the questions that come out after losing and losing and losing and losing, is you know losing is contagious. And what yeah, you're no, I, right I now, get that. But the way he just conducts himself after a loss, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, I'd be mad too if I have to answer the same questions over and over again. But, but. You, you guys don't fix the problem each week. It's the same problem every single week. Uh, the media is, of course, going to question it, and then he doesn't the right and answer. Right, right, and rightfully so. You know, but even if listen, if McCarthy came, but the here, situation. It's it, we're one game away from McAdoo's. We're, I have to look at the film. We're one game away. Everybody having uh, Shermer doing that. And in that, and that's that's the problem I have with Shermer. Um, with, that's one of many things I have with Shermer. It's just some something's got to give. And then Steve's favorite player, uh, Janoris Jenkins, he should have been benched a couple of weeks ago after the Cowboys situation for at least a couple of plays. Like, like there's no accountability whatsoever with the Giants right now, and and that's got to change one way or the other. You know, and, look, and looking at it with the Jets, too, you know, with Gase, thank God they actually did something with Jermaine Johnson. You talk about, you know, the mishaps with your secondary. Our secondary, you know, the Jets' secondary is just as bad as, as the Giants, if not probably the worst. But, you know, with, with everything that's gone on, there's a lot of, there's a lot of turmoil in New York right now, and a lot of fans want both these guys gone from their respective fan bases, absolutely. But in, in defense for Gase here for a second, I know people don't want to hear it as far as who the next Jet head coach should be, okay? But realistically, realistically, the first six weeks of the year, all right. You want to give him a pass on that because it was the schedule and because Sam Darno was out, fine. But from here on out, all right, from here on out, Adam Gates has to win in whatever games he's got against the Raiders. The Raiders coming to the East Coast is going to be – there's no joke this year too, but coming to the East Coast, that should be a W, you know, for the Jets. The Bengals are, are winless, but they're going to be desperate for a win. The same can be said for the Redskins who are desperate for a win as well. And, you know, you got the Steelers playing 
really above expectations. They're they're five and four right now. They're playing above expectations without Ben Roethlisberger and company, you know. But that's credit on Mike Tomlin for being the coach that he is, going out there each and every week. So the Jets could be a five a five and eleven, six and ten team when it's all said and done. That's that's just me. I want to ask you a question though, since you guys are Giants fans, right? I got two mm-hmm. questions to ask you. Number one, what the hell was Pat Shermer thinking when it came to Never. when it came to him using uh, all three of his timeouts with four minutes to go left in the game? Uh, I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all from him. And then number uh, two, with the Jets and their season ticket situation right now. Go over this. I, and we we brought it up last week. Um he, for whatever reason, I, I don't know what it is, and he's not giving it up. I, I think the play calling has gotten him so focused on one aspect of the game that he completely brain farts every week on, on a certain aspect that a head coach shouldn't mess up on, um, right. whether it's punting at a situation when he shouldn't or continuously challenging pass interferences when they're not going to overturn it. Um, like you said, with the timeouts, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a weekly thing with him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cause that's bad. That's bad <laughs> clock management right there. Yeah. He, he doesn't know how to clock management at all. It's, a little, it's so weekly, a little off topic. And I know college basketball means nothing in on November 12th, but um, Kentucky just lost to Evansville. Oh, November- wow. Yeah. That was, 67 to 64. That's that's worse than uh that's worse than uh, the the Michigan losing to Appalachian State uh a, over a decade ago. Yeah, but that game meant <laughs> something. This is November 12th that, college that's basketball. Fo- that's football, but it's college basketball too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Real quick on the on the coaches, I guess for both teams. And, uh, and by the way, Ben, screw you for having a good team. By the way. With, the ne- with, with that next great head coach <laughs> sitting right, there waiting. Exactly. That's why I wanted to get to, uh, like, my, my personal opinion. Like, I've watched a lot of, of Matt LaFleur. His play calling, I've, I've liked. It's it definitely more creative than I'm used to, and that's where I'll, I'll get to McCarthy in a second. But, like, if you watch him with the media, which is clearly a big problem with Shermer at the moment, and a big thing that you guys have an issue with. I think with LaFour, I think it's more of the, he they have the bright pieces for him to be more creative right that's now. The thing. And I think they're eating too. If you listen to him talk to the media, he's not good with the media. He's not fluent. He doesn't get his point across very well. He stutters. Like, he's not a good public speaker. So it's like, if they were losing, th- those would be issues. And those would like not being able to answer a question well would be an issue. And like mm-hmm. he tried to make like the beginning of the season, they kept asking him the whole preseason. They were asking him about his relationship with Rogers, relationship with Rogers, and he made a joke and was like, "Oh yeah, I hate him." And it came. It sounded like he actually meant it, but he was trying to make a joke. It's like he's a robot. It's very strange. Yeah, so, and I think and I think with the the Packers, which is a good thing for them, finally. Wow, what a novel! You dropped out there. What'd you say? They finally have that. What's up? You you didn't hear what I said? I said they finally got 
the running game for the Packers this year. And it is what right. a novel concept of that actually being having a good, solid running back to go with Rodgers. And they've been still handling their business, even without Adams from like the last month. Right. So, <laughs> and they, and they got the defense. They paid a lot of money to get that solid defense going this year. So they, they've, they've really earned the right to be in the conversation of, NFC contender right now, and along that, with the Niners and other guys. Right. So you I said just, with Shermer. Uh, wait, I want to say something quick. Yeah. Quick. You said he didn't bench. They didn't bench Jenkins, right? After the terrible showing against the the Cowboys, this has been an issue. We're going back to Coughlin with this, with the accountability on the Giants. There was no accountability accountability with Coughlin and the the OBJ. Norman mm-hmm. fight day. There was no accountability with McAdoo and what's his name? Uh, was it? I forgot the corner's name. Who's who left now? Eli Apple. Oh, Eli Apple. Oh, DRC right. and Eli Apple. Yeah, and, right, both of them just not showing up and fight with Landon Collins and or Jenkins as well. By the way, right, and that was the, the same thing. Trick. McCar- that would definitely be a thing McCarthy would fix. Would the offense work as well? I don't know. He has to update his play calling a little bit. He's a little usually he was a little stale. That's why he got fired. Like, they need somebody to – some accountability and maybe more of a disciplinarian in there because this is just – it's not working. They're – I mean, the roster is going to be turned over, obviously, because they're a rebuilding team now, and it's just the way it works. But there needs to be – they need to, to have somebody set some kind of tone. They're going to have to. They're going to have to find something. You could say the same thing with the Jets, too, trying to find accountability. But, you know, it's just something that, that remains to be seen, and we got to see what happens from, from here on out. And, and, like, these guys have only been in their jobs for a year or two. I'm a big fan of letting a guy, like, you know, do a thorough interview search, pick a guy, and let it, and, like, stick with it. You know, the Packers have only had, you know, three head coaches in my life. Same like the Steeler kind of model, like pick a guy and kind of stick with it. Now, if that guy's not available, you know, whatever, I think that guy was available with, like we said, with Mike McCarthy. But I I don't think Gase is the guy. I don't really know much about Pat Shermer before, you know, this. He obviously isn't going well. And that's I didn't the thing I'm – go ahead. For most part – and um, and and I, the, that's the whole situation of the whole Daniel Jones situation. It's Jones has played obviously really well. It's just certain things like we we've mentioned it um, ad nauseum with the fumbling and everything like that. And uh, if he gets that fixed, we the sky's the limit with him. Um, but I think I think Shermer, depending on how the rest of the season goes, I think. As good as Daniel Jones is and how close the games are, I think Shermer might get another year, which I disagree with, but so, I could see that definitely happening. So I noticed this the other day looking at um, Art Stapleton. Um, I forgot which, which paper does he write for, Dan, New Jersey, he, what? Uh, he does, yeah, jersey.com, nj.com, but he, You know what I mean, paper-wise. But record. I he, think he does yeah. Berg. Okay, so he mentioned it the other day, and he talked about the Mara patience. And when you look back at 
the first couple years of Eli, like the first year was what it was because it was his rookie year. Nobody really, you couldn't really blame them on that one. It was just you threw you threw you threw Eli out there and you got what you got out of it. But then they were making the playoffs and they were one and out for was it two three years in a row? I think it was before going on the Super Bowl run, and then they started that Super Bowl run year 0-2 and, and 80 points and fired Coughlin, but they stuck with Coughlin in that Mara patience. And, you know, this is going to be one of those interesting off-seasons of will they have that same patient mentality of... And this goes back before John. This is Wellington, too. Look at Bella, uh, uh, Parcells. His first couple of years, it was. Oh yeah. What was? What did he say in the America's the '86 America game? He said he went to Phil and said, "Hey, everybody wants us out of here. It's you and me. Let's go get. Let's go earn it." Right. Mm-hmm. And so the so the Mar family is a patient family. That's what it comes down to. And and you know you see these franchises, these top NFL franchises, the Steelers, the Packers, the Giants. The ownership has always been very patient when it comes to. Head, Coaches, which which hurts. A good point. Which hurts in the long run. Could hurt. That's a very good point. Well, it's certain situations. I think, I think with the Shermer situation, it's going to be really interesting. On see that right now, it looks like for the most part that the team around Shermer is still behind them. So, it's going to be interesting to see how many more games it's going to take. See, the other thing on top of it How? with him, the other thing on top of it with him is he was brought in as this as a quarterback coach, right? So now you're really going to get do you get you may give him this offseason to say, "Hey, yeah. Here's the key to Daniel Jones. It's no lo- you no longer have Eli here. Go develop a quarterback." Yeah. yeah. And and Daniel Jones has been really good under Shermer. And see that's that's see that's the billion dollar question. And it's gonna be very interesting to see what Gelman and what the Marriott and Tishes are gonna figure out in the offseason. Like I, I I I right now they're not gonna do it and he said he had no plans giving it up, but I if he's gonna stay next year, he has to give up the play call. There, there's no question about that. That, that's a definite. And it, you right, Steve? I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Hello. With, with the play calling, if he is back next year, he has to give up the play calling. But that's the thing, and I forgot who was I listening to? Was it yesterday? Um, yeah, Francesa. Shermer's not. Shermer's a play caller coach. Right, like he was the, the offensive coordinator is, of the Vikings. Isn't the that, thing is, he's not he's not going to give up calling the offensive plays. Oh yeah, should for he? Sure. But of if course. he's going to lose, if of he's going to he lose should. his coaching job, let <laughs> let him lose his job. Then that's what it's going to come oh, down exactly. to. He's not going to give up the play calling. Okay. Yeah, I know. So, I know. and you know what it is? The problem is all these court, all these next quote unquote, like I was saying earlier, quote unquote, next great coordinators that are head coaches. They're good at those positions. There's a reason these guys are offensive coordinators. Not all of them could transition to running all three phases of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, look at look at the Jets. You know, the past couple of years have been nothing but defensive coaches. What's happened to the offense, Will? Nothing. The, off- the offense yeah. has been fading. 
because of it. Yeah. Uh, well, that also, too, comes with the, the draft and trying to find teams, uh, trying to find players, excuse me, you know, to fit the system. But, uh, guys, I got to ask you one question, though. Uh, Sunday the uh, at the Jet-Giant game, I was not surprised with the turnout as far as the Giant fans go, outnumbering the Jet fans by, like, 3-1, to 4-1. to one. Wow. In that ratio, yeah, it was more it was them. Crazy. More of them showed up to that than the actual Giant home games. <laughs> yeah, it was. I got to tell you, the Giants. There were a lot of blue jerseys at out at MetLife on Sunday, man, and it was a Jet home game as well. So, you know, if if Chris Johnson and Woody Johnson, if they want to try and build up some season tickets up here, they got to try and sell sell something these past couple of weeks you know before the year's out because it's not looking pretty right now it's not and every week that i i go to metlife it's either the bills bills mafia was strong in week one yeah week yeah they were strong week two right very strong week week two for dallas bills dallas travels well dallas travels well the third new york team Right, and New England, and New England came in and wound up showing on Monday Night Football what uh, how many crazy Patriot fans there are. But uh, you know they got to they got to do something here with the tickets, man. I, I tell you, it was really kind of sort of somewhat embarrassing as a Jet fan to be outnumbered by a lot of Giant fans by like three to one. And I'm not taking anything away from the Giants' history at all or anything like that. But if you got if if there's if there's any way Season, if you're gonna um, build a team, the Jets gotta do something as far as trying to sell tickets go, and it's not looking pretty. The the other thing yeah. was is, and I know I have a friend who actually has four Jet tickets, um, and ended up selling the game, and he made money on it. And we talked, and him and I were talking about it, and I said to him, I said, this is that this is that game. Where people it's people be worse don't with the Steelers too. People don't care. People don't care about what's going on in the game. They hear the words New York versus New York, and everybody and there's people out there that don't go to football games that wanted to go to this game. And what they did was, whoever their friends are, oh, you have a jersey, Akbar, great. That's really what it came down to. I don't think it really was like the quote unquote. Yeah, there were plenty of real Giant fans in there. But let's face it, there weren't a lot of real football fans there. Right. Absolutely. It's like going to a Met Yankee game in July. You're gonna get you're getting half fans that actually care and half fans that are like, Oh, it's Mets versus Yankees. In July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. That's true. So true. So true. So, so true. I mean, am I surprised that it was a bigger giant fan base? I'm really not that surprised, but this was that. This is one of those games, and we talk about it. Danny and my dad and I, we talk about it every year. Games you circle that you look at, look at, and say, "If I can't go, can I make money on it?" That's a that's a game. That's one of them, and that's what I do for the Cowboy game. Right, you can make back a good portion of whatever tickets you you know of your season ticket money on selling the, a big game if you can't make it. Mm-hmm. For sure, it's it's just one of those things, and the and the Giants as well is we're we're gonna be so that but there's gonna be a lot of guys like Vin gonna be there. 
because uh, he is going to be there. But, uh, but Packers, yeah, Packers travel well. Packers always. Oh no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Packers are going to travel real well. The Dolphins, for whatever reason, they got a good New York fan base for whatever reason, so they'll probably show up, even though whatever. And then the Eagles, you know, they're driving up from Philly and South Jersey for that game. So, yeah, the next three games for the next three home games for the Giants is going to be just as bad for you guys. Uh, but the Steelers game is going to be the worst. Just, I, I, I feel sorry for you already. Um, we have they, that next year. Yeah, we we're gonna have that next year, Steve. So, yeah, oh, I, they, I, I think you want to. Yeah. I'll give you a little, little nice story of the last time the Steelers came to town. First off, Mike Wallace can go f himself because <laughs> that he was when that he was still fast. Um, right around the end, I'll never forget <laughs> that place. Right after um, Sandy. So it was the Sunday after Sandy. Yep. And <laughs> our good friend that we tailgate with, Ryan was has a lot of friends that are Steeler fans and they all came up and they're actually all New York New Jersey state cops and I'll never forget Roger Goodell was there and he knows somebody Roger Goodell is actually very friendly with a guy who parks about 10 spots away from us so whenever he comes to town he always comes to our tailgate um these the cops parked right in front of our tailgate and the guys that were tailgating with us that were Steeler fans put ticket put fake tickets on their windows <laughs> and then they and then they littered them. So he yelled at them a little bit more. It was pretty funny, but yeah, expect a big tailgate next year, Danny. They're all coming. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> they're awesome. all coming again. Awesome. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, that was the game after Sandy. Yep. I don't know. It is what it is. That's funny. We got to get Will so to we're... tailgate with us. Yeah, well, well, unfortunately, we have to wait four more years. But, yeah, we got to figure something out. Maybe one of the preseason games. Oh, next year's preseason is a Jet game. So, well, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it for the football aspect of things. We'll be right back. We got some Islander hockey to talk about. They have uh, points in 12 straight games. And we will be back with Will right after this. Hi, this is Clark Gillies from the New York Islanders. You're listening to the S&D Podcast Show. All right, welcome back to episode 234 of the S&D Podcast Show. Uh, Like we said, we're going to get into a little hockey here with Will. The Islanders are, they're running hot. Uh, 12 points in 12 straight games, uh, 11 wins, and a overtime loss that uh, they didn't play great in, but at least they got a point. Um, Things are, uh, they're looking good. Uh, They're not playing as well as I'd like to, and that sounds weird because they've won as many games in a row as they have, but they've been kind of, I don't know, I feel like they're pulling the wool over everybody's eyes for a little bit. Um, they started playing better in the middle middle there, like five, six games in a row. But they're still, they get outshot every night, and it doesn't always look pretty. But somehow they find a way, and, you know, we have the best coach in the NHL. So I guess that, uh, I guess that's why. Um, Will, what do you think about this run? You know, do you think they're playing as well as the, as the record says they are? 
I think they are, you know, uh, you look at what this team, guys, you go to the games. I, I, I'm there just about every game with the exception of uh, Saturday. I couldn't make it. But from what I saw from this team, this team plays hard every night. You know, you look at the, the, the shots, number of shots that the opposing team puts up. It was bound to happen. And honestly, I'd rather it come to a team like a Pittsburgh that came back down from 3 three nothing. Kudos to them for – uh, making making pipes first in that point in time, and they wound up coming back and winning the game 43 in overtime. But that Islander team was just depleted. You know, you got to see some of some of the uh, the things that had happened uh, that Pittsburgh did, and kudos to them for doing it. But they were right there. The Islanders have been right in every game, and they've they've won, and they've been dominant in their 10 game winning streak. But Thursday happened. An overtime loss. They get a point out of it. They go back out on Saturday. They get the, the win, the two points. They keep their point streak going, and they've been looking good. They've been looking good this whole year, you know. Despite what many analysts would say, and course the experts and uh, charts and graphs people would say, oh, blue this, it's that. Listen, you got to give credit to where credit is due. Barry Trotz has done an unbelievable job uh, coaching this team and putting them in the right spots and having guys like Derek Broussard go in there and and play on a wing, score goals in five straight games or four straight games, whatever it was at the time. And this team has been injured. Make no mistake about it. This team has been injured. Kovic World comes up, scores a goal, penalty shot on a goal. Uh, you know, Oliver Wallstrom has been banging and clanging with the best of them on the fourth line. Ross Johnson really replacing Matt Martin in that sense, uh, being the enforcer. And, uh, you know, what more can you say? You know, this team has the depth. There's no question about it. Now you got to have the guys like Jordan Eberle come back, Leo Komarov come back. Andrew and, Ladd. Uh, and Andrew Ladd, right. Andrew Ladd, another guy that we forget. <laughs> so I know everybody doesn't want to see Andrew Ladd, but, you know, it, it, at this point in time, it would be great. Listen, the play third-line minutes. He's going to play third, fourth-line minutes. It's not like you're going to see him out there in every possible situation, especially early on. Right. Right. And you look at, too, like a guy like a Michael Dalcole. You know, everybody's ripping on him on Twitter, on Instagram, how he's not getting goals, how he's not doing this, how he's not doing that. The guy is going out there every night, and he's grinding, and he's skating hard with the best of them. What more do you want from this? Well, I get it. Everybody has their day. Everybody has their, you know, couple of days in which they don't score goals. Guys, you guys are smart. You guys see it. You can't look at the box score every time and evaluate a player like that. You can't. Sometimes there's the hustle, there's the heart, and there's the grit that many players do to help their teams win games. And it goes unnoticed. Case in point, look at the St. Louis Blues game at the Coliseum on Columbus Day, the second win of their 10-game win streak. Right. Johnny Boychuk has two two sensational plays, one great save and another, and another play to keep the puck in the zone to give to Matt Barzell to tie the game late in the third period. You know, you can't make this stuff up. You really can't. 
and they're right there in the ticket thing. So for the fans out there that, that watch the game and see it, they, they know what I'm talking about. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. You can't look at the box score and you can't look at the stat sheet or the charts and the graphs. Sometimes you just got to let your eyes make the decisions for you and you go with your gut from there. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we have, we talked about this a little bit earlier in our previous statement, the best coach in sports, Barry Trotz, reliable. So how many times do we look at the beginning of the season and see um, Kunako on the first line with, with Barzell and Lee and be like, wait a minute, what is happening right now? Why is this happening? And then it works. Right, we there's zero reason why anybody should ever question any lineup decisions that he makes. Um, I do feel like Dell Call might be one of those guys you see get sent down due to the guys coming back to injuries, um, because you can leave a guy like a Kunako on a bench, you can leave him in in the suite, you can leave a Kamarov in the suite, um, and I feel like Dell Call's still young enough where you want him to play on a nightly basis. Um, you know, you have Ross Johnson who can sit in the suite and do nothing. You have plenty of sweet guys. Del Cole's the guy I do think, like you said, he's out there every night grinding. But let him go down there and play a little bit more. Let him play instead of 7 to 12 minutes a game. Let him play 13 to 17 minutes a game in Bridgeport. Give him a little bit more playing time. And he's going to be a guy down the stretch that they're going to rely on anyway. So I just feel like they can kind of push him down. And like, like I said, we have the best coach in sports, in my opinion, coaching the New York Islanders. We have the best front office, if you really think about it right now, surprisingly enough. I think I've seen enough from Dow Cole. Not like that I'm done with him, but like I've seen enough that he's – or maybe they've made him into this. I don't know. He's not – you know, he still has the first-round pedigree. and people You expect big things. You expect – you know, a goal scorer or a big point producer. And it's just, he's, like we said, he's producing, he's doing very well at the role he's being tasked with. He's on the third line most nights, you know, kind of a, a, a you know, a, a grinder now, power forward. And I think he's doing fine the way he is. Now, like you said, and the other guys come back, he probably at least comes out of the lineup for Lad. I think I, I don't know if they have to make any roster decisions yet. They might have to. They just I know they sent Koivula back. He was basically on a trolley going back well, and forth he every came day. Back today. No, I think he went back down today. No, he came back today. Okay, I I, I can't keep track of where this guy is. He's been guy, going up and down. The guy's an Uber Plus for... Gold. Yeah. Shrine member. I really, what I really hope is like they don't—they're not actually making him come back and forth. Like I know, I know he skated—he skated in warmups the other night. But like, if they're making him go back and forth every two seconds, I would just kill myself if I were like that's just that the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Just, just honestly, I'd rather stay in Bridgeport at this point than even get a chance. But. um yeah, he probably is going to come out of the lineup for Lad or maybe Leo whenever he gets healthy or back, or I don't know what the heck was going on with him. Um, I like the way he's played, though. And I, like you guys know, I mean, I like Lad. I still think he's got something left. I'm, you know, 
maybe he's that, you know, little extra offense that we still need. Yeah, and, you know, you look at, you mentioned uh, Leo Komarov. The guy is, forget his scoring ability for a second here. We know what kind of a player he is. And in Barry Trotz's system, he's more of a penalty killer, and that's what you need. You have guys like Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson going out there killing penalties. You know, that's, and that's, that's saying something with the depth that the Islanders have right now. You know, I would honestly, my, when healthy, my penalty kill unit would have to be Sezikis and Clutterbuck on the, at the center and at the wing. And then mm-hmm. it would be Beauvillier and, uh, and uh, Komarov until Kunako comes back. Because that, the, you know, you want the veteran guys there that know how to kill the penalty, right? In a sense. And I feel like in hockey, with the vet, like you see the veterans go out there and that are on the, the penalty unit, that are on the PK unit. They, those are the guys that usually do well as opposed to the younger, younger guys, you know? Beauvillier is just fast and he can do it. He could play wing. He could play center. There's there's no doubt about it. And he could play defense because of his agility and how fast he is. You know? You know, and you mentioned Beauvillier, who, you know, like you said, we're watching him become a penalty killer. And two years ago, if I if someone told me Anthony Bavillier would ever be on the ice for a penalty kill, I would have laughed at you. But well, he was he was on the penalty kill two years ago for like a little bit under Doug Wade, in Doug under Doug Wade's time for a little bit of time he was. He's I, I like the way he's been playing this year. He's um more, he's more consistent. Last year was a lot of you know fits and starts. He was. He was hot. He was cold. He, you know, he couldn't do anything right. And then he, you know, had a big—I mean, not a big run—but he's. I think he scored two goals in the playoffs. So, like, I, I like the way he's playing this year so far. More consistent. Also, not as much um, in that bottom six because he's mostly been playing. I don't know. He's been playing on, in the, on the second line for the most part. I think. Um. Yeah, I like the way he's been playing this year. Like, I, I agree with Will. The penalty kill is important. It's a, you know, this is a team that is based around their defense. Their their defense is probably, you know, some of their best guys. Adam, Matt Barzell, those six guys might be the next six on the list. Um, So, and and their goaltenders are still, I don't know what these goalie coaches do, but, I mean, Thomas Grice, Thomas Grice has always been, you know, pretty good like he you know had a bad year two years ago mainly i think because of the coaching system and the the fact they were you know getting beat so bad but Simeon varlamov looks like the old you know the goalie of old that he was in in washington you know years past so yeah i mean the the um Sorry, I think I lost you there for a sec. Yep, I lost you there for a second. 
You were okay. saying something, and then you, when you went dead. It cut out, yeah. But yeah, yeah the, um, the, system, the old system was not defensively. System, yeah. And right. that's because a lot of these coaches are like, hey, let's play offense. But Barry Trotz is still under that old school mentality of, cool, let everybody play offense. We're going to stop you. You know, we were talking earlier about the Mighty Ducks movies on Disney+. Plus. These three Mighty Ducks, how are you going to beat the varsity team? Clear the trash. Clear yeah. the trash. Yeah, the, the Barry Trotz is, you know, it's all, uh, it's a counter, you know, quote-unquote counter-punch system, you know. Defense they... always travels. It, it yeah. always travels. It, do, it doesn't matter where you are, who you're playing. If you have a solid defensive setting in any sport, you're going to be and not. You know, Will, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, sure. We kind of we we've mentioned this earlier. Or we keep talking about his defense. The the emergence of Matt Barzell shooting the puck this season is a thank huge God. change. Like, of course, like you said, thank God. Um, do you think last year was more of a a team getting used to a new system, or do you think that the team kind of he kind of took a burden of John Tavares left? I need to be the guy to get everybody to make sure everybody else is getting the puck. I need to be that playmaker guy. And then this year he kind of came into camp of the people want me to shoot more. Let me shoot more. What which, what it's, do you think uh, helped him with that? I think it's a it's a mixture of A and it's a mixture of B in that regard. I, I agree. Okay, well, you know exact. You know John Tavares. Look, the guy is a pure offensive talent. You know, guys like that don't grow on trees. And they don't come around very often. So, for him, Matt had a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people on him last year. Make no mistake about it, because of a, it was his second year in the league. He's getting used to everything around him, and most of these coaches now are game planning for him. And on top of that, with what's going on, you know, Barry Trotz didn't start. Matt Barzell, Jordan Eberle, Anthony Bovillier, Josh Bailey, and Anders Lee, or however you want to mix the left and right wing around Barzell, he went out there and he started Tzizekas and Martin and Clutterbuck every game. And then you bring in Barzi, third shift into the game, third line. You know, you want you want that. You want that mismatch somewhat. And that's what Barry did, and that's what Barry's seen. But as far as Barzi goes, man, this year, he has really, really taken a huge, huge uh, lift off of the Islander offense and trying to shoot more. And that's what every Islander fan wants to see from this guy is for him to shoot more often. We Listen, we all know about his playmaking absolutely 100% and his ability to, to dish the puck to other people make no mistake about that but this guy if he can develop a shot which he has been doing so far this year it's going to be scary for the rest of the league because the islanders right now in many people's eyes are a top five team and because of what matt barzell has done uh make no mistake about it they are where they are because of him right now along with the defense it it seemed I don't know if for some reason he 
maybe took the the JT stuff more personal than anybody else did. He seemed like I mean he was extremely fired up. He scored a hat trick when the the first game they went to Toronto, and I don't. He seemed to be the only one that really took it as you know. I mean the fans and obviously, but the players they 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 get it. He seemed to be the one who took it most personal, and I think that put a lot of pressure on him. We've seen, I mean, you look at Tavares' stats last year, playing with Mitch Marner, who's more of a playmaker, he scored 40 goals and had more goals and assists than for the first time in his career. So he was a guy who can kind of do everything. I think Matt Barzell will eventually transition into a guy who can, I mean, he can obviously do everything. He has the talent, shooting more and, and picking his spots better. He'll obviously, you know, become that kind of player, I think. Uh, absolutely. And not only that, but you see, as far as the scoring goes here, I just wanted to touch on this for a second. I'm tired of having to look on Islanders' Twitter each and every moment. And I'm tired of having to see about trying to find people outside. Oh, they need a top six winger here. They need a top six winger there. You got to build from within. You got to find that goal scorer to, on that team. Whether it be Beauvillier or Brassard, who has come on and, like I said before, scored the four goals, five goals, after he got switched from the center position to the boat, you know, to the right wing, left wing spot. You know, there's you got to make minor adjustments in order to win. And with the Islanders, I feel like they had the depth where they could have guys that are passive, very passive first, like Komarov. He's a pass first guy. Maybe you should, you know, put him into the third center role. You have Kazikas playing the third, the fourth center role. Maybe you have a guy like uh, Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson's going to be that second, that second line center. So right then and there, you're going to have Broussard. You're going to have Beauvillier being the wings. It, it, it's a matter of finding things in house now more so than ever. So that's just the way how I see it. You can't look at it from oh we got to go from the outside and do this. I hate when fans talk about it like that. Focus in on trying to build a team from within. When you find from within, you win. And that's it. 100%. Always love finding from within, building the team from within. And that's basically what this team is. Just kind of. And honestly, if you really look at the teams that have won the past couple seasons, it's a lot of. All right, we're going to draft basically six guys goalies, forwards, defensemen, and we're going to pay them a lot of money and build around them and build up young, late draft picks around them. Look at the Blackhawks and the Kings from their cup runs. We're basically just five really expensive, really good players that they built around with young, cheap talent. Right. right. And, and not only that, too, but you got also, too, you got to pay the good guys not so much money, and you got to pay the least guys, you know, not so much money either. You know what I mean? You got to find that happy medium and build your team like that. That's what Lou Lamarillo has done so far this offseason with getting guys like Everlight to sign, you know, a pretty friendly deal. Brock Nelson, a pretty friendly deal. Uh, Anders Lee, a pretty friendly deal to a degree, you know, being the captain and everything like that. You know, that comes with being the, uh, with being the Islanders face of the franchise right now, you know? So there, there is that aspect of it, but 
uh, make no mistake about it, guys. This Islanders team isn't going away, and it's not it's not going to go away anytime soon. All right, you want to jump into a little baseball before yeah, we go? Let's jump into a little baseball. All right, so Will, we know you're a Yankee fan, obviously not um, thrilled with the way the season ended. As we look into the off season, I mean, are you one of those? We need one of these top two pitchers, Strasburg or Cole. I am. I am honestly the total opposite. I do not want Cole or Strasburg, just because of the simple fact of what I mentioned before with the Islanders rant here, and it goes with any sport. You bring in a guy like a Garrett Cole. And you heard him after the uh, the World Series loss to to the Nationals in seven. I, I'm unemployed right now. Do you you know the guy poured his heart and soul out there? I get it. You know, in, in the playoffs and in in the World Series and everything like that. That I totally get. But when it comes down to money and pitching and free agency. With the Yankees, add all that up in in free agency's past, outside of what they got with Tanaka, and outside what they got out of CC uh, Sabathia in '08. You know, it's I, it, I I wouldn't be surprised if they signed them, one of the two, but it wouldn't surprise me either if they signed somewhere else just because of the pressures of being here in New York, dealing with the media, dealing with everything like that, you know, and having to put up with everything that's gone on. I know money talks and bullshit walks at the end of the day, guys, but, you know, with Yankee history, I'd much rather see them develop a starter or have to go out and get a guy like they did in DJ LeMayhew and in that regard, in that sense of, okay, we need D.J. LeMayhew to be a utility guy, almost like a Super Joe McEwen. Well, he took that and almost won the MVP award this year, regardless of what many people uh, want to say about, about the guy. You know, he almost went out there and won. That's what you need. You need to find somebody like that. And, and again, fans of teams in general money does not win you championships money does not win you championships for the player for, for that player to get x amount of money i'm not counting pockets here this is from what i remember seeing as far as i'm concerned you know don't go out there and spend x amount of money because remember too with the luxury tax here does how and heck Steinbrenner want to go over the, the luxury tax threshold, you know, they're not going to, they're going to spend their money in other places. And also too, think about this. You already have a rotation that's set upon Jay. I, nobody wants to hear Jay Hap, but I'm going to put Jay Hap in this list. Hap, Severino, Tanaka. Who knows what's going to happen with uh, Domingo Herman? With his uh, with his case with MLB, but that's four starters right there, and James Paxton. That's five. 
where where is Garrett Cole going to fit? Where is Steven Strasburg going to fit? Where is, you know, Madison Bumgarner going to fit? Where is Zach Wheeler going to fit if they sign one of those four guys? Where? In, in, in this. And they have pitchers coming up. They have Jordan Montgomery coming up. They have uh, Debbie Garcia coming up. You know, it, it's just mind-boggling to me in a sense that every Yankee fan, and I'm not blaming Yankee sweaters for being this way, but how do the Yankees lose in the postseason, guys? Especially now since you're hearing about, you know, banging and the Astros going out there and quote-unquote stealing signs now. You know, how did the Yankees lose? They didn't lose because of their hitting. I mean, their pitch. Their pitching staff was actually not the problem The post in the postseason. Those guys came through. The problem was hitting him with runners in scoring position. That was the problem. And you're going to tell me that, oh, we need pitching this, we need pitching that. That's, that's a bunch of bull, if you ask me. You know what I mean? And with mm-hmm. the hitting, the hitting's there. You got to have them more seasoned and having to see what had happened with with what had happened with the Astros today is even more mind-boggling in a sense. I think the Yankees stand pat. Maybe they go out and they get Madison Bumgarner, but I can't see them getting Cole or Shostberg. I can't. I can't. Everybody wants Garrett Cole after what had happened. I, me personally, any pitcher that comes out and signs a big deal with the Yankees, like I said, outside of Tanaka and outside of Sabathia, name me one pitcher that has actually stepped up through free agency. AJ Burnett. AJ Burnett had to like outside of like maybe a year or two, you know, with him being being that guy, eh, to a degree. All right. I'll give you AJ Burnett. But who else? <laughs> I mean, how many guys have they signed? So, the only, I don't know. So, so first off, let's start off with Cole, who apparently has already been getting, who's already asking for over three hundred million. This this is going to take to February again, isn't it? Great, can't so wait. We'll never see him. Okay. Um, Strasburg left a million dollars on. What was it? What did he leave he the option? Twenty-five million dollars on the table, so that means he's looking for a minimum of thirty to thirty-five plus, right? Figure. I just, think just yeah. look at the just look at his postseason alone is thirty-five is worth the five million extra. I mean, he's been great, yeah. Okay, so that's two. Wheeler, Vin and I talked about this a little bit. We're looking at four for a hundred. If anything, should be his cap. Yeah, I'm thinking more four for eighty. If I had to guess, twenty. I'm, th- I'm thinking that players always ask for more, so his cap to sure. start in negotiations and say, "Hey, I'm looking for four for a hundred. Sure, land on eighty. I think he'll super, get in the twenty million range, but he'll ask for twenty five. Sure. First off, the Mets should just give Wheeler the money. Let's face facts. They're not going to though. Uh, unless unless he comes and is willing to meet somewhere of what he wants and in the middle, closer to the 
70 to 80 range, like Vin said, maybe then you may have a shot at him resigning with the Mets. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think he's gone. But they have seventeen dollars to spend. Seventeen exactly seventeen dollars and thirty eight cents they have to spend. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't see the Mets resigning Wheeler. I think he goes to like you know uh maybe Houston if they lose out on Cole. Yeah, that's so, where I'm, I think there's a good chance he replaces Cole in Houston. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Uh, you know, who else? Who's another team that's in, that could be in play for catching Minnesota? Minnesota's a team that, that could have really used this starter going into it against the Yankees in the postseason. And they've been really, really uh, pitching strats over the past couple of years. I think that might be a, a landing for for him. And, uh, you know, another team that many people might look out for here, maybe Philadelphia. Maybe Philadelphia opens their wallets up and says, with Joe Girardi being there, hey, look, listen, we want you here. Make no mistake about it. You know, we know you're a division rival. We know we know that you played with, with the Mets for a long time. Come to Philadelphia and prove yourself here. What do you think about that? I could definitely see that. Philly had a disappointing season this year. Um, I would think they're going to want to spend some money and try to fix their their pitching problems that they had. I, I'm just... We talked about the Mets of $17. I have no faith that the Mets are going to spend any money this offseason. Yeah, I think they're going to do very minimal. And, that, I mean, that was the problem last year with the trade that they made was because they didn't want to spend any more money. Now, next year, they a lot of money comes off the books because even though he is not, he's not playing, David Wright's contracts are still there. And Cespedes' contract, even though he's hurt, is still there. So it's like they should like spend a little bit over, and that's what the original tweet was about. They should spend over the luxury tax and just bite the bullet for a year because it drops so much. And next the, the payroll drops so much next year. I don't think they will though. I think we're looking at running back the same team with maybe like a. I keep hearing Cole Hamill's name thrown out there, or like Seth Lugo. Well. Or you could do that and then just add relievers. But they Brody just said, I saw a tweet earlier that said they're basing a lot of their bullpen um, projections off Familia and Diaz being better this year. Yeah. So Same. good luck with that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not excited about that. Oh, P. Alonso won Rookie of the Year last night. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we get a Cy Young Award winner. And Jake should be winning. Jake should thing. win. So, obviously, with that being said, it's just how sad is that we have potentially the Cy Young Award winner and the Rookie of the Year on the same year and just missed the playoffs this year. Pretty sad. And have no but, hope for the next season. Well, of course there's hope, but it's just we gotta be uh, tempering our expectations because we know how the Mets are every year. <laughs> Carlos Beltran, yeah. everyday center fielder. Hey, he would still be the best center fielder on our team. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. 
All right, well, guys, tell us guys, all. I gotta, ask, I gotta ask you one thing with the Mets. How do you think they're gonna? How do you think they're gonna fill their bullpen? I know we've been talking about this for for quite a while now since the summer, but a lot of games they could have won, and you saw the Washington Nationals win it all this year as a wild card. Uh, how did this team build their bullpen? Do they do it through free agency? Do they go out and they make trades? Do they go through the farm system and see what's going on there? Uh, what, what's your take on, on what's going on? Uh, Dylan Batanzas, his name is being thrown around. Yeah, I, I think, I which, think their which, plan seems, their plan seems to be maybe Batanzas to kind of replace Lugo's role and put Lugo in the rotation and then maybe get like one other, I could, Daniel Hudson from the Nationals keeps getting thrown around. Like add one more guy, and then just their their plan seems to be the hope that Robert Gesellman and Familia and Diaz pitch to the talent of these uh, that they have. And if that that's always been the case, that if that works, they'll be fine. I'm just not you know I'm not thrilled that they're just hoping for the best, which kind of mm-hmm. and that's all we can do. But it kind of seems like that's what they're doing too. You know, to me, though, in my honest opinion, I think they should keep Lugo in the bullpen. You know, look, the guy the guy pitched great when he was the eighth-inning, ninth-inning guy, the setup guy. I know Familia has had his problems, but he's also been through, you know, through time, he's been okay somewhat, you know. And then you look at Edwin Diaz, if he can find a way to put some movement on his fastball, he could be one of the more unhittable forces in – in uh, in Met history, as far as I'm concerned, you know, in recent history anyway, but he's got to find movement on his pitches. No, I I agree. I would keep, I would keep Lugo in the bullpen too, but then that would mean replacing Zach Wheeler with somebody else, and I don't know what the financially. I think they think it'll be cheaper to replace a bullpen option. Then replace a starting pitching option. I, I, to me, that seems to be their thought process, but it uh, remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Vin and I talked about this yesterday. Dylan Patanzas is payback for when we let you have Pedro Feliciano. <laughs> he never, he never <laughs> paid. <laughs> Exactly. Patanzas is basically worn out from the Yankees, so it just makes sense for him to come to the Mets and never pitch. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, Will, tell everybody how to listen to you guys. Uh, you can follow, you follow us on Instagram at On The Fourth Sports. We have a link in our bio. We're all over. We're on Spotify, Apple. Uh, we're also on YouTube, believe it or not. So if you want to listen to one of our episodes or watch us, on YouTube, you can, and it'll be you know it's all free to watch. On Instagram, like I said, follow us at On the Board Sports. That's O N S P O R T S B O A R D. On the Board Sports. So it's it's fairly fairly a simple thing, and you know. Same thing on Twitter, too. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can at my personal page at 
Will Chirucci. That's W-I-L-L-C-H-I-A-R-U-C-C-I. And on Twitter, it's W Chirucci, just W-C-H-I-A-R-U-C-C-I. Guys, thank you again. You guys do a great job. Steve, I hope to see you soon. Tomorrow night, at buddy. Wednesday, Wednesday, November 13th, you will see, be seeing me. That's tomorrow. Well, well if you're today. listening, it's today. Yeah, today. if you're listening, today. it's today. Yeah. <laughs> I will be there with Absolutely. Brian tomorrow night in our seats. Guys, thank you again so much for coming up. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. I really do appreciate that. And and uh, Dan and Steve, I know the Jets beat the Giants, but hey, you guys have a better track record than the Jets do right now at this point in time, winning Super Bowls and everything like that. So enjoy your Super Bowls right now. Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be easy to enjoy it because we don't have a site. We don't have a team playing in it. Yeah, girl, true that, true that, boys. Guys, thank you again so much. I'll talk to you guys soon, all right? See you tomorrow. Thanks. The game. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Yep. Thanks, Will. Have a good one. Thank you. Alrighty, so you can also find us, of course, thanks to Will. And you can find us also on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, all other podcast apps, including Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SNDblog.com. Boys, anything else? Final thoughts? No. Enjoy, if you're a Giants fan, enjoy your bye week and watch, especially enjoy watching football on a Sunday without. Having to care, so that's good. New Yorkers dress Less- warm the rest of the week too. Winter is yeah. here. Yeah, supposed to be. We got a little yeah, snow we today. Yeah, we skip fall straight to winter. I see. Yeah, always happens. Well, now it's starting to happen. Nothing else, boys. No. Have a good one, guys. Bye, bye, guys. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. If we go to page 11 in the presentation, you'll see that (laughs) you'll see we're on target to meet our quarterly. Some things never change, like nobody can resist (laughs) popping plastic bubbles and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. As I was saying, we're on target to meet. Excuse me, um, Miss Miss Hansen. Sorry, almost done. (laughs) 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more.